0: Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the Grumpy Old Man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, Grumpy, uh, quickly, I guess we can start off the segment. Uh, The White Whale. The Islanders have finally signed the White Whale, Ea Sorokin. I know this is obviously a little late (laughs) compared to when we released the podcast and everything of that nature, Um, but the Islanders have officially signed Ea Sorokin and – before our last podcast, they had not. So I guess this is a little bit of a uh, a shining moment for Lou Lamarillo, especially with the contract he was able to go ahead and get Sorokin to sign and including the extension.
1: Yeah, yeah I don't think it's a shining moment for him. He had to get that done. Anything else would have been a total failure. Uh, what I do like is that it's not just for the entry-level deal. They also signed him on a one-year uh, for next year, At 2 million per, which I think was a little bit below the average, what maybe some people were thinking, maybe two and a half. Um, So I think that's a good deal. That's
0: Um, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying him signing him alone was the shiny moment. I'm saying the fact that we were able to go ahead and extend him for a year more at 2 million per for a team that's going to have cap issues. Um, I mean, I think that definitely was a good moment by Lou, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, that had to get done. That had. There's no way anything where he's not signed would have been a failure. I mean, they've built the last two years bringing Barlamov in, letting Leonard go, was all predicated on getting Sorokin on the team. So if it didn't happen, it's a failure. I mean, it had to get done, and I'm glad it got done, and I'm glad they signed the one-year prove-it-slash-bridge deal um, you know, for $2 million. I thought that was a good dollar amount. Uh, of, course there's, of course, there's less for the other three uh, restricted free agents we have, let's be honest, and he's still going to have to do some financial wrangling to get that done.
0: Well, I mean, now you're looking at a little bit over $9 million, or right around 9000000 million you're going to have available for Matt Barzol, Devon Taves, and then uh, Pulak, Ryan Pulak. So uh, you're obviously going to have to make some sort of move to free up a certain amount of cap space. Um but I'll tell you one thing, uh, Sorokin being able to sign for next year for two million dollars was definitely good because I was expecting somewhere around two and a half, maybe three. And for a team that is up against a cap, like the Islanders, or will be up against a cap, like the Islanders, I think being able to barter him down to two million was obviously in our favor, and I think that was a good sign by Lee, or for Lou Lamarillo, and I think that was a good extension. And I think you're right. If he did not sign he is Sorokin and somehow things didn't matriculate in that capacity, I think that would have been a failure, but he did what he needed to do and he got that extension signed. And I think that was definitely, definitely on a favorable deal for the New York Islanders.
1: Yeah. That's even a bigger, like I said, getting that the 2020 21 season locked up was actually to me bigger than just the entry level contract, which we assumed was going to happen. I that's, I mean, You know what your goaltending situation probably going into next year is going to be. Thomas Grice is going to be gone, um, and he's an unrestricted free agent anyway. So it's going to be Varlamov and uh, Sorokin. And, I mean, I don't know what you're thinking about. I got to think that that maybe Sorokin gets 45 games. I'm sorry, Varlamov maybe gets 45 and Sorokin gets 37 for a game breakdown, I have to think that they're going to give the veteran a little bit more ice time next year. I'm not sure.
0: I'm not sure. And, again, like I'm sure we're going to d- d- delve into this a little bit more over the offseason. But when you're talking about that situation and you're talking about the goalie situation in general that the New York Islanders have had over the last two seasons under Barry Trotz, he rides the hot hand. I think the starting season for sure, Varlamov is going to get you know the lion's share of the starts in net. But if he you know, has a slip-up or anything like that, and then Sorokin comes in and he performs in that capacity, I think you're going to see him slowly get fed more and more starts. And by the end of the year, I think he's going to be receiving the line share of the starts. So again, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to lay out. Uh, if you look at the entire year, how many starts Sorokin's going to have compared to Varlamov. Um, but I think definitely Varlamov to start of the year is going to have more starts. And then Sorokin, hopefully once he kind of gets his bearings underneath him, and gets his feet wet. He's going to be receiving the majority starts at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, um, what I'm hoping to see play out is something like that. Uh, you know, where this coaching staff is adverse to playing young players, but well, Sorokin's
0: not young, so he'll be 20. What is he? 25 years? He's not young by any stretch of the imagination. So,
1: yeah, well, they'll consider him young because he's never played in the NHL. But I think you're going to see a lot of th- oh, play- grumpy.
0: Hold on, I can't. I can't let you make that quick jab. No, come on, you can't do that.
1: I think, I think you're going to see it play out kind of like how the Rangers did with uh, Lundqvist and Sesterkin, um, where Lundqvist was the starter at the beginning and Sisterkin played his way into being the starter at the tail end until he, I think he was in a car accident, which kind of derailed him a little bit. Uh, that's that's how I think – I hope that's how we see it play out. I want Sorokin come next playoff time if we make the playoffs uh, to be the man in net. Uh, not ball him off.
0: And yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. He'll be 25 years old next year. He'll definitely, be, he'll definitely be, hopefully you're hoping by the end of the season, more than well at, or more than well uh, adjusted to the NHL style of game. So uh, I am hoping as well by, by playoff time next season, he will be, you know, the starting goalie.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think the phrase you look for is, more than adequately adjusted.
0: Yes, I was. I was looking over my shoulder. I thought I had something coming in the room, and I was like, "Oh, grumpy, you're gonna have to give me, you're gonna have to give me a break here. I'm a little jet lagged. We just came back from the uh, West Coast. Just got back from South Lake Tahoe, actually today. So we I got back, and, I don't care. Report. Don't make excuses. Oh, don't make oh, excuses. grumpy old man.
1: Stop making excuses for your poor performance on the podcast. I, I, you know, <laughs> it's not my fault. You could have done the podcast some other time.
0: Well, Uh, usually I have to carry the – I understand, Grumpy. I usually have to carry the podcast, and you're expecting that type of performance again out of me, aren't you?
1: Well, if you supposedly carry the podcast, (laughs) then I guess that's the expectation for you. But obviously you're not doing it today. You don't even know how to say adequately adequately adjust. It was too much for you, understandably.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes, Grumpy old man. I was up at 3 in the morning uh, West Coast time, so (laughs) it was definitely – yeah, it was an early morning for me, Grumpy. So You're going to have to bear with me a little bit. Um, but I am kind of glad we did wait until Sunday to go ahead and podcast because the Islanders were having uh, some scrimmage type of situations, uh, inner squad scrimmages, and practices kind of started kicking into full gear here this last week. So I'm glad we were able to get a little bit more information on that. Um, no real shocks when you're talking about the lineups and the pairings, uh, for forwards as well as defenders, uh, exactly who we saw starting at the, uh, tail end of this last season, uh, when healthy is exactly who's going to start this season. I mean, there's no real mix-ups there at all. You're going to see your Pelik and Pulak as your top pairing defenders, uh, Boychuk and Letty are going to be together. So you'd have to assume that they're going to be starting in some capacity. And then you've got Mayfield and Taves also paired together. So you have to figure those are going to be your, you know, three three defense pairings, and then um, Andy Green and Noah Dobson are going to be probably the odd man out, despite reports saying that they've been looking tremendous and Trot saying that he's really looking comfortable back on the right hand side. You know, blah blah blah. There's a whole bunch of coach talk, but it looks like they're going to be the odd defending or the defenseman group out.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, to me, that's the frustrating part. I'm sick and tired of hearing the coach speak how great Dobson's looking and Andy green. Oh, they've been right up there with the best defense pairings. Okay. You're trying to tell me that that defense pairing is not as good as Letty and Boychuk at this point in time. Really? I mean, how many steps has Johnny lost? It's not like he's going to, it's not like he developed into a better skater in the last three months.
0: Well, again, you and I talked about this a little bit off air, and you know, kind of introduced this. Uh, I kind of want to backtrack, Grumpy, before we start getting into that. Um, I wanted to talk about Andy Green. Not, he's probably not going to be utilized. He'll probably be the seventh defenseman. But just think about it, Islander fans. And I know uh, coronavirus obviously has had a lot of crazy turns to it, and nobody could have foreseen this. But we traded away a second round pick for Andy Green, who, when all is healthy, Right now, will not even be probably a starting defenseman on our roster. So we traded away a second-round pick for a guy who is going to be our seventh defenseman right now. Is how it looks. Um, and again, I know when we made the trade and acquired Andy Green, we were hemorrhaging goals left and right, our defense was really struggling. Um, we had injuries at the Wazoo. They wouldn't play Noah Dobson the the proper allotted minutes that his other defense pairing was getting and receiving on the third line. Um, so they had to make a trade for defenseman, but it's just kind of funny how that all works out that, you know, Andy green was a second round was worth a second round pick. And in, in this scenario here with the coronavirus and everything, the three month long break, he's not even going to be a starting defenseman on our roster.
1: Yeah. Well, in defense of that, that trade, yeah, in defense of that trade, it was, uh, because Pelic being out. I mean that was that was the reason.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I understand that. Again, like I'm not trying to say that was a bad trade or anything like that. I'm just saying it's funny to look at it. Uh, and of course hindsight's twenty twenty. Nobody could have predicted this, but it's just funny to think of it. A guy that we, we gave up a second round pick for at the trade deadline, now in this scenario after the three month hiatus, won't even be starting on a roster.
1: now he's thirty seven years old. He fits the Lou Lamarillo mix of who to bring in for a draft pick. <laughs> I don't see a problem with that, right? That's what he does. That's what he does. Bring in a bunch of old guys, um, give away the future on a team that's really just average skilled overall. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I just think that, you know, the whole thing with the Dobson thing with with Boychuk, I mean, just think about what the organization had to be thinking, right? Johnny Boychuk was teamed with Noah Dobson, all right. As everyone knows who listen to this podcast. I felt that Dobson should have been getting the majority of those minutes early in the year to get him ready for playoff time. They wanted to ride the old war horses, like this coaching staff always does. So, so Noah wound up sitting down. Right when he does play because of injury, is he one hundred percent ready? No. Okay, but what do we do? We team with Johnny Boychuk, and it's not even like we team put him on the right hand side where he is, which is his natural side, and move the veteran over to the left. Dobson has to cover for Boychuk by putting him on the left-hand side because Johnny can't get the job done anymore. And that's why I'm just kind of surprised that we just go right back into what we've done in the past as opposed to maybe just thinking outside the box a little bit. I I like the pairing of Green and Dobson. I really do. I think that as a pairing for this playoff series has a real chance to do something special. Andy Green is a solid defensive defenseman, and Noah Dobson has that second gear. And I would, I would love to see him play in the playoffs. I really would, but I don't think we're going to see
0: him. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna present a little bit of a different uh, point of view, grumpy old man. I'm during sure. the regular season, during the regular season, I'm 100 percent aligned with you in that. I think that the younger guy in Noah Dobson should have been slowly weaned into the position and into the role. He probably should have played his natural side, the right-hand defenseman side, because, again, he's younger. It's going to take him a little bit longer to get acclimated to that NHL style, probably moving him to a position he wasn't receiving much practice in or any type of game time experience in and throwing him to the wolves at the NHL level. Probably, in retrospect, not the best move by our organization. Um, But it does show you what their opinion is on Johnny Bochuk. He's very limited as to what he can do. And unless you're able to fit him into the cookie-cutter position, which is the right defenseman role, he cannot be successful. Um, Now, when it comes to playoffs, Grumpy, again, I have a different viewpoint than you. I actually kind of lean towards agreeing with Barry Trotz here. And the reason being is you stick with what you know. And I'm not saying that maybe Andy Green and Noah Dobson might not be a better defense pairing than a Johnny Boychuk and a Nick Letty, but the biggest thing you need in playoff hockey is consistency. Having a guy out there like Noah Dobson who who has admittedly made a few mistakes playing at the left-hand defenseman side, uh, you know, that's the caveat, albeit, but who has made a few mistakes that have led directly to goals and Boychuk also makes mistakes and so does Letty. So nobody is impervious to blame. But in the same token, when you have playoff experience, I think that does help out. And Dobson, even when he was playing in the regular season, was not receiving the regular minutes that uh, the third line partner he was playing with was receiving. So do I think if he was thrust into a, you know, a third-line defensive pairing role here for this playoffs, would he receive? the actual allotment that his partner would receive in minutes on ice? Probably not. So that's why I'm I'm still sticking with uh Boy Chuck and Lighty at this time period. Even though I think that Dobson and Green, like you say, might actually possibly work out better. Again, it's a gamble, but you gotta go with what you know at this time period.
1: See, for me, best players play. I've always believed best players play. And you want if you want to play with a turn style on the right hand side on your third line, that's great. Like I said, Johnny's and I, anyone who listens to this podcast knows I love Johnny Boychuk. But his time as a player is over. It's, just, it's over. He can't do it anymore. I mean, it's like saying they're going to throw me out there. Well, guess what? I can't do it either. I mean, I don't care how long he's been there. He can't do the job anymore. Put some fresh legs out there because you're going to see, and you're going to see in the playoffs, he's going to get walked around on that right-hand side in a playoff game. That's what's going to wind up happening. I'd much rather go with the best players. And right now, Noah Dobson is a better, more talented player than Johnny Boychuk. I'm going to go even one step further. I think that Andy Green is a better player right now than Nick Letty.
0: Wow. Well, hold on. That's a few things I've got to take in real quick, grumpy old man. I need to backtrack about the earlier statement you said, how the best players need to play. I do agree. Best players should always play. But the thing with that is grumpy old man. When you're determining who the best players are at the positions, you can't just look at a few in-game scrimmages and say, yes, because he plays well against X, Y, and Z pairing, which he sees every day at practice. That means he's the best overall suitor for that particular position. Usually you're able to have a little bit of a time period where you're able to test out the players in live action to compare who actually is playing better and who would better contribute. Unfortunately, the playoffs is not a time period to test that out. And it's it really is unfortunate because, as I said in the regular season, I 100% agree with you. He should have been receiving regular minutes on that right-hand side with Andy Green. And I think you're looking at something who, who could have – developed into something special here for a playoff push, but I don't think right now is the time to determine who the best defensive pairing is, unfortunately, in the playoffs.
1: So you're going to ride a guy who can't do it anymore and a pairing who can't do it anymore. I don't care that they've been Islander stalwarts for years and years. I don't care. They're not good enough right now. They are not good enough. And they're not going to get big minutes. The big minutes are going to go to Pulak and Pelic and Mayfield and Taves. Those are going to be that's going to be the two pairings that get the most minutes. I mean, so you're not going to have—it's not where you're going to have to throw Dobson and Green out there for 25 minutes a night. They're only going to play 14 minutes anyway. That third pairing. I mean, I, like I said, I just—I just don't think that they're good enough. And I—the fact that he hasn't—he hasn't done any type of shakeup on any line, any defense pairing at all—tells me they're just going to ride the same horses that were not producing in the regular season, and we're just going to continue that same path in the playoffs. It didn't work in the regular season. What makes you think it's gonna work in the playoffs?
0: Well, you, you talked about it, and again, like I'm glad you brought it back up, Grumpy, because I had forgotten originally. But you said it must
1: be the you jet talked lag. About it. it must be the jet lag.
0: I know, I heard you three times. It is. Uh, <laughs> so I want to make sure you heard me. I heard you, Grumpy. You sounded like a broken record. Um, but <laughs> when when you said Johnny has lost a step, I have been telling you and everybody on this podcast for the better half of a year and a half, that Johnny can't skate anymore. And there were multiple occasions where we were, this is the time period when we were podcasting twice a week, where I cannot tell you, it was at least every single podcast where I was like, hey, you saw where Johnny Boychuk got rocked around three times, left his defense partner, you know, high to dry <laughs> and led to a scoring opportunity or guy just missed or they were able to put it into the net. I have been telling you this for a long time. I don't think Johnny – uh, mid-season, had what it took anymore. Now, again, he has had three months to get his body healthy. He is not a great skater, and I'm not trying to say he is or will be a great skater, but he will be a better skater than what we saw towards the end of the season this year before the hiatus, and the or I, I won't call it the lockout, but before the coronavirus kind of took hold of society. He will be a better skater than what we saw at that time period because, believe it or not, when you have those nagging injuries, it does affect a little bit how you skate and how you perform on ice. I'm not sure if Noah Dobson as a whole is better than Johnny Boychuck right now. And again, I don't. I think Johnny has lost a lot from where he was in his prime. But I can't accurately say, based off of watching Noah Dobson specifically on the left-hand side, if he's better than Johnny Boychuk at this time period.
1: Well, I'll take the guy who can skate every day over a guy who can't skate every day. Every single day, I'm going to take the guy who can skate. And I want to say, if you're doing a skating on one to ten, Johnny's a three, and Dobson's a nine. So to me, when you can skate, it makes up. if you even if you have a little error here and there, you're able to skate and make it up. If Johnny makes an error, it's a goal scoring chance every time. Well, I mean, like I said, and you're not the only one who said Johnny has lost. I mean, and I just I just find it amazing where you say one thing, you know, I've been saying all year that, you know, Johnny can't skate anymore, blah, blah, blah. But still you want him to play, where I don't. I'd much rather play the guy who can skate and put um, him in there.
0: Unfortunately, in the Barry trot, I won't say unfortunately, but in the Barry trot system, the way he runs it, it's not all about skating from your defenseman. It's more about playing smart making sure you're conservative in your effort as well. Obviously, they asked their defensemen to try to contribute a little bit more to the offense this season, which we talked about. Um, But in the same token, if Dobson makes an ill-advised pass or makes an ill-advised pinch, which Boychuk does occasionally, but Dobson also did quite a few times in his limited amount that we saw him. Again, it's on the left-hand side. So I'm willing to give him a little bit of leeway, grumpy old man. It's not like I'm saying – I'm not like, it's not like I'm saying, okay, you know, I don't take into account the fact that he's playing out of position. I am accounting for that. But Johnny seems, you would like to think that Johnny is more physical than Noah Dobson. And you know, the playoffs are a physical beast, the playoffs are all about physicality. And Johnny, number one, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, he gets away with holding and clutching and grabbing of players that other other players on our team and other teams would not be able to get away with just because of who he is. Noah Dobson does not utilize his body enough for how big and how physical and strong he can be. So we're talking about playoffs specifically. I think the physical aspect definitely goes to Johnny.
1: Okay, so what you're saying – oh, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say Johnny Boychuk has turned the puck over way more than Noah, Do- Noah Dobson has. He was turning the he was making defensive mistake after defensive mistake at the end. I, know. I just don't think I just don't think it's going to get better. I don't think you get you know hockey players are not like wine. They don't get better with age. They turn into vinegar and that's where Johnny is right now.
0: Remember well, and I, the best way I can try to compare this is remember Valtteri Filppula. They were saying the same thing about him when he was in Philly. Oh, he's lost it. He can't skate. He can't do X, Y, and Z. He comes to the Islanders, and he plays really well through about the first three-fourths of the season. But after that time period, you saw his play significantly drop, and, and he was invisible in the playoffs. And the reason that is because, again, when you get older and you get those bumps and those nagging injuries that accumulate throughout the season, your body just doesn't recover like a younger man's does. That's just how it is. So what I'm hoping, ideally, in this situation, is the three months that they have off to the coronavirus. Boychuk has been able to get some bit of a healthy, uh, some bit of his healthiness back here. And he's able to get a little bit more healthy, and he's going to be able to return back to the way he was playing at the beginning of the season. Unless and if that's the case, then I would be more than happy to keep rolling him the no adoption at this time period. If not, you're able to see very quickly. If he still looks like he's being skated around like a turnstile and he's like a speedy or he's like a cone out there, a traffic cone, you know, immediately have to look, he's got to be replaced as soon as possible. I'd like to hopefully think that Barry Trotz, if that was happening, he's able to identify that in practice.
1: He's not going to, he's not, he's absolutely not going to do it. And the whole thing in the best of five series, uh, it could be over. It could be over by the time you finally come to that realization where, like I said, I mean, and unless Johnny Boychuk is able to turn the clock back to 2015 uh, I don't think, you know, he's going to solve any of our woes back on the offensive end. Uh, like I said, he's finished. I mean, and he's still got what, two more years left on his contract. I mean, you know how long are you going to ride that horse? And you spoke about you know Philpula how he didn't do anything in the playoffs last year. You know who else didn't do anything in the playoffs last year? Our seven million dollar man, Anders Lee. So I mean, maybe we have that's something that to look forward to. Also,
0: he had a hat trick today in their inner squad scrimmage, Grumpy old man. Yeah,
1: because the game doesn't count. He's real good in those <laughs> games. Brock Nelson probably had eight goals today too. Oh, Back. Grumpy.
0: And Brock Bobby, Nelson, Brock Nelson, Grumpy. I cannot wait for the the action to resume. Play. He because- didn't do
1: anything in the playoffs last year either. They were, mm-hmm. they were the invisible brothers out there.
0: They would no, Hold on. Nobody did anything on our team except Jordan Eberle in the playoffs. Matt and Barzal, and Matt Barzal, Matt Barzal. Matt Barzal, Barzal,
1: Barzal. Played. Well, that's what happens when you don't have any offense.
0: Matt Barzal was not his potent self that he was during the regular season. If you look at production, uh, nobody on the first line or really the second line was performing really except Jordan Eberle. I, I can't point fingers at one individual player when it was an entire team collapse. That's I'm not going to say this player and this player. It was almost the entire team, Grumpy Old Man, except a few exceptions and shining stars. So I'm not going to go ahead and point fingers when it was uh, the large scale, the entire organization.
1: That's the that's <laughs> difference between you and me. I am going to point figure, fingers because here's the thing. I don't even really blame them because they're not talented enough to be a good playoff team. They're just not. I mean, you got got just a couple of guys who showed up. I mean, Bailey, I mean, Barzal had a pretty good playoff. Uh, season last year And Everly did for certain In the first round Okay, But you're right, that's second line So what do we do? So we reward the guys who don't do anything We give them ridiculous contract extensions When they do nothing in the playoffs And nothing to deserve that Because the playoffs is the only thing that matters As far as I'm concerned and we give them big, long contract extensions, and they do nothing. I just think you're going to see a whole so Tampa, lot of Tampa so
0: grumpy old man using that logic. And again, like y- this is not ubiquitous. You can't just go ahead and apply that. There's always different things and different lenses you have to look at. When you look at Tampa last year, when they signed a whole bunch of those players to long-term extensions after they got swept in the first round of the playoffs, can't you go ahead and make the same exact argument for the same exact scenario? It's not they, specifically about a lapse in a one-game series. If they, you're seeing that continuously – Year after year after year, maybe you're looking at there's an issue with the core. Maybe there's an issue with the coach. It's not specifically you look at certain individual players if you get swept in the playoffs.
1: Who are you talking about that Tampa Bay signed long-term last offseason who wasn't working Braden
0: Point signed a long contract, correct?
1: Braden Point was a restricted free agent. He wasn't going anywhere. He's, what, 23 years old? Why would you get rid of Braden Point? There's no reason I'd labor a Braden Point.
0: You're you're talking about rewarding players who didn't perform in the playoffs, right?
1: You don't let restricted free agents go.
0: Here, Here it is again. You're talking about specifically rewarding players who didn't perform in the playoffs. And I'm just making a comparison. That's all I'm doing, Grumpy.
1: Well, what deal did he get? I don't even know what deal he got. Did he get a big deal? I don't think he had a super big deal. I mean, he's a restricted free agent, and he put up over 90 points last year.
0: I mean Again, that was, you're right. That was all regular season, right? I mean, Kucherov, I, he signed. Uh, he, he signed. He signed this last off season too. He's got eight years remaining left on his contract. Nikita Kucherov, nine and a half million dollars. Again, like when we're looking at it in general as the, an entire team, and again, I'm not. I'm trying to disprove the argument you're making. You don't look specifically at the playoffs to determine if someone deserves a big contract. That's not what you do. I mean, Kucherov. Again, for a team that got swept, signed a nine and a half million dollar contract, right? You're
1: at the be pay
0: This that's that's my point, grumpy old man. You can't look specifically at playoff performance and say yes because that player performed poorly or because the team struggled as a whole. We shouldn't reward this player with a contract. I'm not saying the contracts that we signed are specific, or unrestricted free agents to were great contracts. I'm just saying it's not an accurate way to depict whether you should sign a player long term or not. It's not.
1: You're you can't compare Nikita uh, Kucherov and Braden Point with Anders Lee. I mean, it's like the same time you try to and compare Anders Lee to Patrick Kane. There is no comparison between those players.
0: Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough is a pretty t- – he- he's top top four defenseman, right? I- Anders Lee, top six forward, right? Ryan McDonough comes off the season – Signs himself a little seven-year contract. or they, Did they sign him? I can't remember when they signed him. I know he's got seven I, years left on his contract. I don't know
1: if he was – or the Rangers signed him to that extension and they traded him. I, I don't honestly, to, I but remember. Here's the thing. You're going to find that deal is going to be a bad
0: deal. It's a, it's a horrible deal. He's 31 but, years old. He's got seven he, years left still yeah, on his contract. But he
1: didn't sign that deal after the season. He signed it during the season after they made the trade, if he did, in fact, sign with Tampa Bay. I don't think they waited until after that to sign him. I mean – Anytime, and I'm going to say it again, anytime you're signing guys who are 30 years old or right there to long-term deals, you're going to regret it at the end of the day. I mean, and like I said, we have a bunch of those guys, and I'm not going to get on that train again, but I mean, I I just think when you try to say, you know, you sign Anders Lee – and even Jordan Eberly, who had a good playoff year last year, and Brock Nelson, who didn't do anything in the playoffs, you sign those guys to long extensions when they're closing in on 30, you're going to wind up having problems because you have to be able – if you're going to get a big contract extension like that, you should at least be able to do something in the playoffs. That's well, all I'm saying.
0: I, I'm pulling up Ryan McDonough. All I'm seeing here on the transactions here, Grumpy Old Man, is on February 26th of 2018, he was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Then on July 1st, 2018, he signed a standard contract extension. And that's the contract that he's currently on. Dumb.
1: Then that's a dumb, then that's a dumb deal. It's,
0: okay. This, uh, this is what I'm telling you. You don't, you cannot look specifically at playoff performance and say, because this guy performed extremely well in the playoffs, he deserves a $10 million a year contract because he shows up in the big moments. But, or, you know, because this guy doesn't perform here in the playoffs, so it looks like he's a ghost. He doesn't deserve a huge contract. There's right. a lot of different variabilities when you're looking specifically at playoffs. There's a lot more into it. There's also matchups. There's who you're playing against. It's it's not just a little tiny myopic view where you're like, did he perform well, yes or no? Okay, that completely <laughs> determines what he deserves to be paid. That's not how it works.
1: Yeah, okay, but Andrews Lee career has been, since John Tavares left,
0: I'm not saying his, career his career
1: has been going down here. Regular season and playoffs.
0: I'm not saying he deserved that contract, grumpy old man. What I'm saying is, <laughs> you can't say just because we didn't perform in the playoffs in the second round that all those players didn't deserve contract extensions. I think I just think it's foolish, grumpy old man. Brock well, Nelson has definitely outperformed his contract already this season. Let's uh, say he goes, let's say let's say he even has three or four points here in the playoffs in the first round or the first two rounds. I mean, like, again, he's had a career season this year and an abbreviated season career numbers and points in an abbreviated season this year. Okay. You can't okay. look specifically at just playoff performances. Greg.
1: Okay, so you're saying if he has 3 or 4 points over potentially a 12 game period that he's earned that contract?
0: Oh, you think you think we're going to go to 5 and then 7 games in should... the next round? Well, I'm just so you saying. think both you think both series are going to be the maximum amount?
1: I don't know. I just don't think he. I just don't think you're going to see much scoring from. Arden. I, I don't
0: know either, grumpy old man. But I'm just throwing this one out here. When you lose games, usually your team's not really producing points. Especially when you're looking at the Islanders.
1: No, that's the Islanders a-
0: are not a team where you look and say when they win, it has to be because they're outscoring opponents. They play a lot of defense and they play a different style of game. So to have three or four points in the first, you know, series or two for a player, that's that's a fine job, in my opinion. As long as you're playing a defensive game and a two way game.
1: Yeah, well, I look at it this way: if you're going to pay a guy seven million dollars or six million dollars to play on your first and second line as a, I'm expecting you to score. I mean, I, that's just the expectation. I don't care if you play defense; you don't get paid that type of money to just play defense as a forward. You got to put points up. I mean, well, that's, that's as a you
0: know, number two center, as a two week I'm not talking about Angeli. I just told you that, Grumpy. So don't keep bringing him up. I don't think the I don't think Lee contract was a good idea. Boom, got it out there. It's, it's obviously been shown as well that the Jordan Everly contract as of right now doesn't look like it's turned out very well either and probably won't turn out well. It won't. So I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you in that aspect. I'm just saying as a generalized statement, just because a team or certain players did not perform in one particular playoff series does not mean it should go ahead and destroy the value of the player. That's all I'm saying.
1: Well, if the I player just
0: performs think- during the regular season and he contributes to your team as a whole, just because he had a bad four-game stretch does not mean he shouldn't be paid.
1: Yeah, well, it's like the Yankees when they had Reggie Jackson years and years ago and he was Mr. October and they signed Dave Winfield who put up fantastic regular seasons, but he did nothing come playoff time and George Steinbrenner called him Mr. May. It's because, you know what, in crunch time, that's what that's what you get paid for, is to win championships. It's not, hey, oh, you know what? We had a we can play average in the regular season. I'm not and Dave Winfield was a better than average regular season player. But I mean, let's be honest with you. Brock Nelson <laughs> is not a superstar in the NHL. He's not. He's,
0: he's definitely a top six forward.
1: Okay, he's a top six forward. But you know what? If you want to get paid six million dollars a year, you need to put up more you need to be a better player in the playoffs. And we'll see this year. He didn't do anything last year, but let's see what he does this year. I mean, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And he did have a he did have a good year this year.
0: He certainly did career, a career season this year. And and an abbreviated year, no less.
1: Yeah, so what do you have? Fifty-two points. I, like I said, boy, I guess I guess six million don't uh, doesn't buy what it used to. I guess.
0: Hold on, fifty-two points in what was it? Sixty-eight games. I mean, if you go ahead and just even average that out, that would have been his first year over sixty points. Grumpy. 60 points. I, I don't. I don't want to get into the minutia and the nitty-gritty of how much you sign people to because we could be in that rabbit hole for a long time. We can bring up my friend jean Gabriel Pajot, the third line center. There's a lot of different nuances we can bring up, and I won't. Um, but I had to go ahead and just you know. Uh, you know uh, subtly add that name in there because I know yeah, you I love it
1: because you don't like JG Pajot. I do like I,
0: I do like JG Pajot. I didn't like the trade but we had to give up to get him and I didn't like the contract but I do like him I think he's I think he's a good player and hopefully he he helps solve the uh, power play woes that we've been experiencing here for the last two seasons I know that was also a big reason they brought him in I hope he does
1: well you know, There's- we're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. And here's the thing: he gets a little bit of a pass from me because he's only been with the team what two weeks.
0: Oh uh, yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not blaming anything on him. He's not. Well, the Brock rest Nelson of shit. has been
1: there what ten years? I mean, you know, come on.
0: Oh, Grumpy, he hasn't been there ten years.
1: Uh- <laughs> well, how old is he? Twenty nine.
0: You understand? He played college hockey too, right, Grumpy? I don't know. Did he? Yeah, he did he did so he wasn't he wasn't playing up with the islanders as soon as he was drafted um
1: well i know that he certainly wasn't good enough even with that bad team he wasn't good enough to make the islanders
0: oh grumpy old man rare,
1: who's been there since the day he was born
0: in rare form again as another usual hack.
1: bailey is another hack another non-performing hack the king of the secondary assist
0: you know, a bunch. I don't want to make this podcast an hour and a half.
1: I have to, I, just, I
0: have to, I have to concede certain things where I am just like, I don't want this to be an hour and a half, two hour long podcast, grumpy old man. I just have to move on to the next and just pretend I didn't hear certain things. Um, but I will say this: we had one of our listeners, uh, and I am praying that I, I pronounce this correctly. It's two minutes for pessimist sticking. Um, who who brought up an interesting point? Now, you have been on the record here and you've said it a few times on the podcast that you think that the older players in general are gonna probably outperform the younger players as a whole. And you said that, you know, when you go ahead and get started back up, these are these are professionals, they know what it takes, they've been in the playoffs in a lot of different scenarios. So we kind of understand this, but uh, this person who does listen to the podcast brought up an interesting point. He said a lot of these younger players, he believes, might actually outperform the older players, and for a few different reasons. When you take in the human aspect or the human effect on things, he said, you know, a lot of these younger players—they're kids. Um, they don't necessarily have kids of their own, wives of their own, or anything like that, or an extended family or a close. Maybe they family.
1: got a bunch of girlfriends though. <laughs>
0: I'm not saying they don't, Um, but they don't have, they might not have any children of their own or anything like that. And with the coronavirus and everything that has kind of taken place, you've seen players in the NHL who are veterans for the most part, who have opted out to keep their family safe and everything of that nature. And I know every situation is different, but he said, when you're younger like that, I think this is the point he was trying to get at. You can fully immerse yourself back into, okay, uh, everything is 100% hockey, 100% of the way. You can completely block out the outside noise. It's not like you might have a distraction from a wife or a distraction from a child. You're 100% enveloped and focused on hockey. And I thought it was an interesting point, and I had to bring it up to you, grumpy old man.
1: Yeah, well, um, pessimistic. Uh, two minutes.
0: It's, it's two minutes for pessimist sticking.
1: Yeah, I like the name. I like the name.
0: Uh, I do too. It Roll up good.
1: the tongue a little bit better, be even better. But it's it's a good name. I, I love I like the thought process there. Um, that said, uh, the reason why I think, with the exception of you know the the human traffic home going to be playing third pairing right defense, um, I just think that the fact that the older players got a chance to get a second breath, uh, and kind of. Just get their just got their second win, so to speak, by having that break. I think that helps them. I think that everyone has known that the NHL was coming back, so I don't think anyone got out of shape. And I'll bring up again, even though these, uh, you know, a more stable environment, having a you know wife and children, you know, where maybe you got the younger guys are out tomcatting around, so maybe they're kind of worn out before coming <laughs> in camp. Who knows? And I just think that older uh, older veteran players know what it takes uh, and are able to make uh, an adjustment better than younger players. Like you're seeing in Boston, Pasternak has really struggled since coming back, Uh, you know, and he's a younger player, but he's really struggled, you know, unable to stay on the ice, Um, you know, and he's a younger guy. And I don't know what the issue is with that. No one does. You know, they're always real secretive in hockey on, you know, injuries or whatever's going on. Uh, but I just think that it's older a players, professional sport. I think when you've had more experience, you're able to uh, deal with the – when things go wrong, you're able to deal with it a little bit better than when you're a younger player, unless your younger player is named Noah Dobson, because then you're ready to go
0: all the time. Grumpy, grumpy. I was about to say it sounds like you're making a and, pro Johnny Boychuk conversation point for me right now. Yeah, but really like hard. I
1: said, Johnny can't skate anymore, you know. And Andy Green called Noah Dobson a thoroughbred. I mean, you know, that's pretty high praise. So I'm just hoping that he gets to actually make the Islanders within the next two or three years. You know, when he gets to be, I don't know, 25 or 26, I hope he's actually be able to a full-time idoler by then.
0: When you hear stuff like this, and this is what I try to tell people, you really have to t- taper off expectations just even a tiny bit. When you're hearing questions, it's also important to hear the way the question was worded. Because I can promise you what it sounds like, because we get a lot of that type of information on what players specifically think about Noah Dobson. I'm going to let you know something. It's because the reporters like Arthur Staple and uh, Andrew Gross are consistently asking about him. So when you're consistently asking about him, players that play amongst him are always going to give him raving reviews. If a teammate ever were to tell me something, where, well, he can use some work on X, Y, and Z. Holy crap, what a slap in the face.
1: Actually, what I think the question was: If Noah Dobson was an animal, and if he was a horse, what type of horse would he be? Would he be a thoroughbred, a quarter horse, or a mule? And he probably went with thoroughbred. That's probably that's probably how that question was asked. Uh, yeah, that's what I. Believe. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, if you see Noah Dobson play, the, you know he can skate, and you know he's. He doesn't take chances out there. I, like I said, I don't think you lose anything playing him over Johnny uh, Johnny Boychuck at this stage, absolutely nothing. And I just think that, uh, like I said, Nick Letty's game is tailed off enough where you don't lose anything playing, you know, your future second-round draft pick in there as well, Andy Green.
0: Well... I don't think we can word it as your future second-round draft pick or what cost it. What cost a future second-round draft pick. I think you're right. Honestly, when I watched Andy Green play, I was not upset with his play at all.
1: Not I really. You
0: and, and you know me. I was poo-pooing all the moves the Islanders were making because we were on a huge skid, and I thought that we were just literally trying to remove water off of a sinking boat with a pail like a, or a shovel or a pail or something of that nature by signing and, and trading for these players. But I'll tell you one thing. I was not unimpressed at all with Andy Green with what I saw out there. Do I think he's better than Nicoletti? Honestly, I have no earthly idea. But what I did see is a guy who likes to play the Barry trot system where he's very much a stay-at-home defenseman. He is very smart. He does have experience with Lou Lamarillo, etc., and he's been around. He's got a lot of playoff experience and he knows what he's doing out there. Better than Nick Letty, I'm not sure. They play two different kinds of styles of games.
1: Yeah, I like I said, I was I thought Andrew Green, and you know, I was begging on it for being trading a second round pick for a 37-year-old uh who right on now, a firing contract. Uh, I was not for that. But he certainly was not the problem out there. I mean, absolutely not. And like I said, I love that pairing. Green and, and Dobson. I, I would throw that out there as your third pairing every day of the week over Letty and Boychuk at this point.
0: Yeah, and I will tell you also this before we kind of wrap things up, Grumpy. I think it's a little disingenuous for some of these writers out there to say, well, don't count off Andy Green and Noah Dobson. And they might be your number three defensive pairing. Come on. I mean, who the yeah. hell do you think you're kidding on that? Do you <laughs> <laughs> are, you serious, are you seriously convinced that Barry Trotz is going to go ahead and start Andy Green, who has played uh, what was it under 10 games for the New York Islanders and Noah Dobson, a guy who doesn't even receive full-time minutes when he did receive his chance on the left-hand side during the regular season over a defense pairing that has been a part of the Islanders organization now for the last five-plus years and has worked with Barry Trotz now for the better half of two seasons? You really think that's going to happen come playoff time period? Come on.
1: No, I don't think it's going to happen come playoff time. I mean,
0: I'm talking about to the writers that were saying that, oh, well, maybe we have to look into this. I'm just like, come on, writers, don't be so disingenuous.
1: Yeah, but they've had nothing to write about for how long now, so they're going to throw that out there. But I agree with you. Uh, it, you know, The only reason you'd want to say that they're one of your top three defense pairing is if you want to win. I mean, if you want to lose, keep on playing <laughs> Letty and Boychuk. No problem there.
0: Well, well, you know, I mean, you don't have
1: any draft picks. You know, what the heck?
0: Well, I think the – well, potentially we could have a first-round draft pick if we lose in the first round. But yeah. <laughs> um, I will tell you this much. I think maybe what, what we want – the Islanders maybe want to recreate is that that huge point streak that we went ahead and rattled off at the beginning of the season this last year. So mm-hmm. if we're able to kind of find that groove and, and Varlamov is able to find his groove in net as well as Grice, I think it's important. Um, I think, again, whoever finds the hot goalie first is really going to be a tough team to beat come playoff.
1: Yeah, to me, I'd go with Thomas Grice to start. Uh, he's had good numbers against Florida. I would just go with history when it comes to something like that. Um, give him a shot over Varlamov. But I, I fully believe they're going to start Varlamov first. Like I said, they, we don't tend to think outside the box at all in this organization. And I don't expect that to change in the next two weeks.
0: Well, I can tell you one thing, Grumpy, man. We're definitely going to be talking more about the upcoming matchup and what that looks like in a preview possibility when the games are laid out and everything of that nature on our next podcast, which we're recording on next Sunday. So that will be about a week out from actual Islanders uh, live game action. But, Grumpy, uh, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you wanted to say and conclude?
1: Yeah, I'm really geeked up for the season to start in two weeks. I'm really excited. I can't I cannot wait for it to start up.
0: I am too. And I'm not sure if it's just because some some sports are returning back into my life. Um, but I'm extremely excited for it too, grumpy old man. But thank you for being a part of the podcast as always.
1: My pleasure as always.
0: And thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, very grateful they allow us to go ahead and post this podcast on multiple different platforms. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere you, or Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Never Say Die podcast. So thank you, thank you very much to them, and thank you very much, Grumpy Old Man.
1: Once again.